Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, October 31st, Ooh, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is Almost Live, our in-season Sunday morning post-game podcast. I am joined, as always, by the people's champ, Matt Baxendell. Bax, we're going to break down another W today. This one, 33-24 over visiting Penn State. You are a Pennsylvania native. How are you feeling this morning? Hey, I might be a Pennsylvania native, but my parents went to Pitt, not Penn State. So don't tar me with that feather. <laughs> the, I have to say, it's always a good thing to beat Penn State, though, because they're consistently the second most talented team in the conference. So you have to feel pretty good anytime you beat a team that has the talent level they do, especially with the way they saw their defense play last night. So, you know, they're not a they're not a perfect team. They're not a national contention team, but they're a team that has the talent, as we've seen in the past, to give Ohio State trouble. So. Anytime you get a win over a team like Penn State, it's a good thing. Full disclosure, my pick for this game was 50 to 20. I consider and rationalize a bunch of red zone entrances and some other things that could have made it look that way. It didn't. Let's address one of the major issues of the day, and that was the third down defense for your Buckeyes. Sean Clifford engineered an 11 for 18 effort. And though Ohio State did get some impactful sacks and was able to pressure the quarterback, I can't remember a game where we got that much pressure on the quarterback, yet they still did that well on third down. Your vibes? Well, I think Clifford scrambled consistently and picked up yards with his feet. And that was a major factor. And then I think OSU was too soft on its zones. Um, they were sitting back, leaving guys open. There was not a double on Jahan Dotson like there should have been every play. I mean, every time we play that guy, he has a huge game. And against everybody else, he's okay, but, like, he's a Buckeye killer. So we let a mediocre quarterback and Sean Clifford have a good game against OSU. And, like, I, I'm not a fan of the kid. I, I know he has that extra gear because he's from Ohio and Ohio State didn't want him. But he's not one of these quarterbacks that's super talented that should be – having these good games like he did last night. I mean, the reality is that's a a game manager quarterback at best. And OSU didn't handle his scrambling very well. And honestly, there was not enough tight coverage. That's why they converted all these third downs. You know, defense is better, right? They still only gave up 24 points, which with this OSU team should always be enough to win. But they can certainly do better than they did last night against a team that had trouble running the ball and has an average at best quarterback under center. You know, we need to laud the rush defense if we're going to hack on the pass defense. Penn State rushed the ball 29 times for an average of 1.1 yards per rush. 
we need to point out that Tyreek Smith had played like this his entire career, he would be Khalil Mack. I mean, this guy has to be driving NFL scouts nuts. He's hurt a lot. He flashes at times. When he plays well, I mean, he was a dominant football player last night. He did it with his hand in the dirt. He did it standing up. Can you give us some kind words on Tyreek Smith? Well, Ohio State's got the defensive ends right now that I think the scouts are looking at and they're totally confused over between him and Zach Harrison right now, right? Harrison had some games earlier this year that we were like, what in the world is going on? (laughs) So Tyreek, that was the closest I think we've seen to him play like the Clemson game last year where he was arguably the best player on the field, not named Justin Fields. So, you know, if that's the performance we're going to get from him down the stretch, that's a a really exciting thing. I think the D-line did get a lot of pressure last night. That was one of the best signs for defense. But having a healthy Tyreek Smith that plays that way would go a really long way for OSU. I spent much of the early parts of the game asking for Steel Chambers. Popped on the screen last night, made a nice play behind the line of scrimmage, and before we knew it, he was ejected from the game for for targeting. It seems like targeting comes up in every single big primetime Ohio State game for somebody. Your thoughts on the Steel Chambers targeting? It was a donkey call. In fact, that whole drive was horrible by the officiating. Spoiler alert, when the bucket comes out later, there's a conversation piece about these officials it's one of the worst officiated games I can remember. It felt like every time Penn State had anybody get breathed on, it was a penalty by the Buckeyes. The first drive of the second half, the only reason Penn State scored was because OSU had multiple personal foul calls, the idiotic target on Chambers. Uh, end of the day, this, <laughs> they have to do better. And targeting is the worst rule in any sport in North America. I cannot think of a worse rule, though I don't like this go for two overtime rule they've added here recently too i guess college football's trying to monopolize all dumb rules but that's the problem too first play of the second half or whatever second play of the second half whatever it was when chambers got ejected and now he's out for the whole first half of the next game too it's just stupid like like at some point can you just play football i mean even chris fowler said it on the broadcast he's like at some point ohio state fans want to know when is this just are we allowed to play football when is this when is this going to end so end of the day They have to do better. I'm not one to sit and blame things on the refs, but I'm going to go back and look at those third down conversions that they had. As I said, they were 11 for 18. At least five of them, there was a holding on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Going like a blatant hold, like a spin the guy around kind of hold. There was one where dude got tackled and it was obvious, but there was holding on almost every play. In fact, as an amateur lip reader, you could see Ryan Day complaining on the sidelines. They were getting held every single time. I say every play in football, there's holding, right? But when it's that blatant, there was one on Tommy Eichenberg where he was headed straight to the quarterback, literally ready to run him over. And what ended up happening? Like they spun him 90 degrees away from Clifford and he completed a pass. These are the sort of plays where when it's that blatant, you have to call it. Let's talk about the offense a little bit. It does seem Penn State was determined not to let the ball to go to Chris Olave. He was barely a factor in the game. Travion Henderson got off to a bit of a slow start and hit his home run. He doesn't look super comfortable to me running between the tackles just yet. He doesn't have a lot of side-to-side wiggle, and he's had trouble getting through the holes. I thought he was much better, obviously, in the second half. As a short yardage guy, that was troubling. I think part of it was Henderson not being comfortable, but I think another part of it was the O-line was flat out getting beat last night a lot. Period. 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 (laughs) Like... I think it was just a bad night from the O-line. And whenever you're getting hit three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage, I don't know what what more he can do at times. So 
yeah, Trey wasn't perfect. He could definitely have had a better game. You could tell he's still a freshman at times, but the O-line has to be better than that. And there were multiple times where there was a guy standing there like, wait, who was I supposed to block? Well, the, the guy he was supposed to block was sitting on the quarterback or had tackled the running back in the backfield. Plain and simple, the, the O-line had kind of a fugly game last night, and they have to be better than that against good defenses. I know we got the win, but there was multiple times last night that even the guys that you think have been rock solid all year on the O-line didn't do their job. So I think Henderson it was only part of the equation with the running game and the short yardage last night. The offensive line has to do their part too, and they didn't. Yeah, early on, Jeremy Rucker in the first like five or six minutes of the game whiffed poorly on two blocks and fumbled. So he did not get off to a great start, though he had a big-time catch later on in the game. Your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? This was the best defense he faced. What did you think? I think it was the return of C.J. not wanting to run the ball. How many times did we see him like have 10 yards in front of him and absolutely refuse to run? I mean, he has to do it just a couple times. And nobody believes on his own read he's going to keep it. They crash hard at the running back. I, I know that like they, he doesn't want to get hurt again. But in a bigger game like this where you kind of need that element, he has to be willing to run. The one play where Mayan Williams fumbled, but it got reviewed that his knee was down. Stroud was waiting as long as he possibly could to not cross the line of scrimmage to try to get a little dinky pass off. If he had ran, he would have been past where Williams got tackled anyways before they got to him. So, I don't know. CJ had like a, he had an okay game. He did some very good things once he got a little more comfortable in the pocket in the second half. But he has to be willing to run. And I'm not saying he has to be Braxton Miller or Justin Fields. Nobody's saying that. But there was an absolute refusal to run the football last night to the point where you have to at least be a threat to do it. And he wasn't. So that was kind of my frustration with CJ last night. I know Dave Biddle put that in his what we learned part as well. CJ has to be willing to use his feet against these good defenses. And had he done so earlier, it might have changed the way that the defense was lining up against OSU. Bottom line is that that guy has to be willing to run the ball. We can't get back into this habit of, oh, I don't want to run again. Because in the early part of the year when he didn't do that, it flat out cost OSU. And you saw all times last night where they left yards on the field because CJ wouldn't tuck it and go. So Ryan Day is obviously a brilliant offensive mind. I will say last night was one of the very first times I started to question him, especially in the red zone, their lack of creativity. And when they did have a nice play, the complete miscommunication, what do you make of their red zone woes? I said, I picked 50, 20. Had they been able to come through in the red zone, they would have had 50 points. It wasn't like they had trouble moving the ball. There was at one point, I remember that they lined up as like a third and one and everybody was sitting around me all said the same thing. We all went, this is going to be a run right up the middle. And Penn State clearly expected it to be a run up right the middle. And OSU didn't get an inch. At the end of the day, it was very uncreative. I agree with you. Like, I, I don't really know. Like, we're complaining about a nine-point win over a team that was in the top ten a week ago. So, I get, like, we have to obviously couch that. But the reality is, I agree with you. The OSU put, should have put a lot more points up. They were not creative enough. They didn't do what they should have done in terms of play calling. End of the day, we have to have more than that. In terms of creativity as well, like and if, if it sounds like we're complaining that like like OSU lost, it's because they lost compared to what you and I expected. Because I was in the same boat as you. This had all the ingredients for a blowout, and what happened? OSU let Penn State hang around until the very end. I mean, when you're kicking a field goal to try to get that to a, a two score lead late in the game, it means Penn State had a chance at any point in time on one play to take the lead, right? That, to me, is disappointing because I don't think this Penn State team is that good compared to OSU. 
So maybe this was just youth talking. I don't know. But at the end of the day, Buckeyes got to do better. And hopefully they will do better going into these last couple games. Well, I think the tone is also from the fact that you're not just playing Penn State. You're trying to put together a playoff resume here. So let's put this one to bed and take a quick look at the trip to Nebraska. Looks like it's going to be a noon start. Nebraska lost at home to Purdue. Your quick vibe on the Huskers. They lose in soul-crushing fashion every week. And poor Scott Frost at this point always has them within a touchdown of almost every good team they play. And without fail, they lose every single time. I think they lost yesterday on an onside kick that Purdue turned into a touchdown. So, or that they had an onside kick they could have recovered or whatever. Something it was it was an onside kick situation that they didn't go their way again either. So, bottom line is Nebraska, they're not a great team. Trying to compete harder under Frost in year four or five or whatever it is at this point, but that's the sort of team. If OSU struggles with them, then we officially could start sounding the panic alarm. Buckeyes should go to Nebraska and have a big win. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk about the rest of yesterday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back. As we are wont to do, we're going to check out what happened in the Big Ten and then nationally that affects your Buckeyes. Michigan loses to Michigan State 37-33. Full disclosure, I was in Granville, Ohio yesterday. Let me brag a little bit. My son is beginning his sophomore season as the point guard at Denison University. We were there for the red and white scrimmage. I had it all set up to watch slash listen to the Michigan-Michigan State game on the way home. And at 30-14, to 14, I said, Michigan has this game won. I am out. Shut it off. Listen to a different game. I jumped off at the very wrong time. What did you think of that matchup? Well, it's uh, another great example of how Jim Harbaugh always chokes in big games. Uh, I'm going to be – fascinated to see what they do this year when that team finishes 10 and two and their two losses are to, Penn, or to Ohio state and Michigan state. Right. <laughs> and then by the way, th- this is also another example of sort of a bad luck Chuck situation for uh, Harbaugh against Sparty. You remember back in 2015, the whole punt situation, this is almost as bad. They were handing the ball off trying to protect the three point lead with their backup freshman quarterback in and he fumbled. So whoopsie daisy, goodbye lead. And then Sparty somehow wins the game again. But, Bottom line, it was a lot of fun to watch Michigan blow it. Uh, I, I certainly think they're the better team compared to Michigan State. But end of the day, this is what happens whenever you, you, you don't take care of your business. And it sounds like they got the usual Michigan syndrome of getting cocky and thinking they were awesome because they had a lead, and poof, there it went. Good for Sparty. Yeah, far be it for us to feel pity for Michigan fans, but this is not a good Sunday morning for them. Iowa was the number two rated team in the country. It feels like 24 hours ago, they just keep losing. This time at offensive juggernaut, Wisconsin, 27 to seven. I love it that the Big Ten is getting enough credibility this year to have SEC top 10 teams. Because that's what Iowa is right now. They're an SEC team that started really high up and then lost a couple games. But everybody who beat them should be still claiming credit for top 10 wins, even though they're going to finish with four losses. So, Good for Wisconsin for getting it back together because I thought their season was about to go off the wagon. 
Iowa, man, since that Purdue game, they have not looked like the same team. And who knows who's going to win the Big Ten West at this point? I mean, is it going to be Minnesota right now? I have no idea. Illinois, in a shining display of consistency, beats Penn State last week. This week, loses at home to Rutgers by six. Bert, going to Bert. What do you expect, right? I'm sure he'll be back to blaming his players for not being good enough this week. <laughs> Illinois is not a good football team. Rutgers is a better team. They're probably going to be the one of the two that ends up bowl eligible for the, is the Scarlet Knights. So good for them. I'm fine with it. Illinois is going to continue to be an afterthought unless Bielema can actually recruit, which would buck 100 years worth of trends at that school. Let's they go back to D.C. and get some cash out, but I digress. Indiana falls to Maryland, 38-35. Both those schools ready for basketball season. Minnesota beats Northwestern, 41-14. to All right, let's move to the national scores. Your Cincinnati Bearcats have a few hurricanes early, settle down, beat Tulane 31-12. to there's nobody really on their schedule the rest of the way through that we're going to be super impressed with, if we're being honest right now. The Notre Dame win and a goose egg next to their name is what they're trying to hold on to here. Style points, it would help them. They, I, I, at this point, I think they need to stop having somewhat unimpressive games against the likes of Tulane and Navy. But, you know, since he won again, that's all anybody's going to notice. And if unless you're a Cincy fan, you didn't watch that game. So it is what it is. They're going to be in the top four or five whenever the rankings come out this week. I'll tell you what, though, that win at Notre Dame is going to help them because Notre Dame, I think, is going to finish in the top 10. And they're going to have a road win against the top 10 team. That's going to be one of the better wins on the docket. It's the rest of the schedule that's going to hurt them, like you said. Georgia, good Lord. I watched the first eight to 10 minutes of that game. It was 0-0. And when Georgia scored a touchdown, I said, I'm not kidding. This game is over. Georgia is like a tidal wave on defense. It feels like there's 15 guys out there. Yeah, if that defense is notably better than Penn State's, then Ohio State-Georgia is going to be a very interesting game if we get it. Uh, that game, I think Georgia scored 21 points in the last two minutes of the, of the first half in a game that was 7 nothing or 10 nothing or something at that point, and that it completely blew the doors open. I think they scored a pick six in that whole fun. End of the day, Georgia's the best team right now in the country. Yeah. And, you know, that could change as the year goes on. Never say never. That's why you play the games. But as of right now, they're the one team that looks like they're there. And if it wasn't Georgia, if it was some other school that didn't have a long history of choking away seasons where people look at them and go, wow, this is the year, I would be sitting here going, Georgia's probably going to be the national champion this year. So they don't have a, much of an offense, but their defense is so good. It's kind of an old school throwback to the teams that the defenses ran the bus, not the, not the, the offenses that we've seen like the last five, 10 years. You know, this is more old school football. So maybe that's a cool thing for a stylistic change and a return to not winning 55 to 40 or something like that. But that defense for Georgia is so legit. Oklahoma and freshman phenom Caleb Williams from the District of Columbia defeats Texas Tech 52 to 21. Oklahoma beats another bad team. At least their defense didn't give up more than 21. I was expecting this game to end up like 45 to 42 the way their season has gone so far. So I guess that's progress, but I don't know how much progress considering the Red Raiders aren't very good this year. I still think Oklahoma has a loss in them, whether it comes from Oklahoma State or Big 12 championship. I can't see that team finishing undefeated. They're, they're much more flawed than I think a lot of people uh, seem to perceive them to be. And that they've been living on borrowed time already. So this is one where at least they didn't give their fans a heart attack for one week. All right, we're going to finish with this and we'll let you get to the rank. 
there is a growing conversation about the Oregon Ducks. They defeated Colorado 52-29. to They're ranked seventh. What if Ohio State and Oregon both finish with one loss? Like it or not, Oregon has to get credit for their win, right? Like, end of the day, they beat the Buckeyes. And we can say this is a different team, but if it's between the two of them, look, Ohio State's going to have better wins, but Oregon still beat them head-to-head, and they beat them on the road head-to-head. So I don't really know how anybody can look at this with a straight face and say it doesn't matter. I, I'm sure that there's going to be things that move around that allow Ohio State to move up. I think Oregon would go ahead of Cincinnati too, by the way, if it comes down to that. But bottom line is they beat the Buckeyes. I don't know what else to say. We can make every excuse in the world for it because we can diagnose that very simply as to what happened. But Oregon won. It has to count, right? Yeah. If they don't lose the rest of the way – they're probably in. That would feel kind of cheesy if Ohio State finishes with one loss, Oregon finishes with one loss, beats Ohio State at home, and Ohio State goes. But we shall see. Going to be an interesting ride. There's a lot to still be determined. Your Buckeyes are right in the mix. We appreciate backstopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.